Yes, as Matt shared, he and Tan invited me a few weeks back to consider coming and sharing this morning. And I, I must admit, in the moment, when they, particularly when they, they shared what the topic was, um, which was peace, inside I just went, oh, my goodness, peace, like huge. But I also love it because it's very much about the journey that the Lord has been walking with me in for 50 plus years of my life and as I was sitting and as I was asking the Lord what is it what is it you want me to what do you, what do you want to teach me because I think this is the big part of when you come and preach it's 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 actually letting him teach us in the process of what he wants to bring and so he kept just bringing me back to who he is who he is and he is the Lord of peace the Lord our peace when I was sitting and, and starting to just think about, okay, Lord, what, what, I'm, what, what is it you want me to bring? Very quickly, a memory that I'd actually forgotten about um, came to mind, and that was of me as a very little girl who, who would sit at our lounge room window. Back then we had floor-to-ceiling windows across the front of our house. And in the after, or probably early evening, my dad would have, would have rung my mum. Back then there was no mobile phones. It was all the landline. He would have rung my mum. He worked in the city just to let her know what time train he was getting so she could know when roughly to expect him for dinner. And so I would quickly learn of when my daddy was coming home. And so I would position myself at, at the front window, one of the windows where I could easily see, where I'd had the best vantage point to see my daddy walking down the street, coming home at the end of the day. And as soon as I caught glimpse of him, all was well in my world. But if he was late, then boy, there would be this anxiety and this, where is daddy? Where is daddy? It's a beautiful picture, isn't it? I love that memory. And my journey, really, in these past 50-plus years has really been about walking, getting to know, trusting in, yielding to my Abba God, my Abba Father, focusing on him, letting him be my focus, the one I have my gaze on, the one I'm looking to. So this morning, my my, what I'm going to share really comes from what he's been teaching me through the, yeah, through the years. And I love the fact that all through scripture, right from the beginning to the end, everything is pointing to our God of peace. Everything. Right from Genesis, we see when God created man and woman, Adam and Eve, his heart was to be in intimate relationship with us, that we could experience his fullness, who he is, as the Lord of peace. But we also see in Genesis chapter 3 that the enemy comes in the form of a serpent waiting to see how he can come in and how he can separate, how he can rob us of that intimacy with our God, that peace. But 
Our God is a redeeming and a restoring God. And all through scripture, whenever we read of man starting to go his own way, taking our eyes off him, thinking we know better, he's got a plan. He raises somebody up, whether it's a prophet, and he calls his people back to himself. Sometimes it means allowing us to go through some tough situations and experiences, as we will read often in Scripture. But it's also that we can come to that point of crying out and recognising we need you, God. We need you, for you are our God of peace. We see his desire to dwell in the midst of his people. Right back in Exodus chapter 25, verse 8, where he's calling Moses to build the tabernacle, a dwelling place so that he could come in and he could fill and his people could come and experience his presence. And in this, God instituted a number of offerings. And I love the, I'd sort of forgotten about this, but one particular offering that he called his people to bring was called the peace offering which actually was the fellowship offering, illustrating the relationship between God and man and between man as well. And so this offering was actually of an animal without defect. It was pure, perfect, unblemished. And the person offering it would lay their hand on on the animal's head before it was slaughtered. And it was slaughtered at the entrance to the tabernacle. And the blood that was shared was then, by the priests, poured out around the altar. Interestingly, this is the only offering where the offerer, the person bringing the offering, actually partook, actually ate a portion of. Does that remind you of somebody, a foreshadowing of of Jesus? Isn't that beautiful? And I love in Colossians chapter 1, Verses 19 to 22, it says, For in him, in Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. That's our Lord, our Jesus. So all that God instituted was about restoring and enjoying intimacy with him and entering into the fullness, his fullness and his wholeness. Two of God's names that I'm going to focus on this morning. First one is Yahweh Shalom, which means the Lord is peace. And we actually read of this first name in Judges chapter 6. And we read of a a young man by the name of Gideon who actually describes himself as the least in his father's house and the weakest from the weakest clan in Manasseh. That's how he sees himself when the angel of the Lord comes to him, has chosen him to be the one to help deliver Israel out of the hand of the Midianites. The Midianites were extremely oppressive We read in in the first verse of chapter 6 of how Israel were walking in the ways of evil. They had departed from the Lord. They had chosen to forget all that he'd done and 
were worshipping other gods and the Lord allowed them to come under the hand of the Midianites and to be oppressed so much so that they actually hid in caves and dens and whenever they planted their crops, they would just be ravaged by the Midianites. They would come and they would devour their, their crops and destroy them. And when the angel of the Lord comes to Gideon, interestingly, Gideon is threshing wheat in a wine press, which is a bit bizarre when you think about it, but he was hiding, like he was wanting to protect his wheat, the wheat that, that he'd gathered. So great fear. You can imagine the scene, Gideon, very fearful, and yet the Lord comes to him and he calls him the weakest, as he seems himself. But yet God had great plans for this young man if he was willing to trust him and to obey. And so we see that when Gideon starts to question, he hasn't recognised that this is actually the Lord in this time. But when, when the Lord actually performs a supernatural work through fire, Gideon's eyes are opened and he recognises who it is who's standing in front of him. And his response is, woe is me, I have seen the face of the Lord in all of his holiness. And he was filled with fear because back then in that day, if you saw the face of the Lord, wow. But the Lord says to him, peace be to you. Do not fear, you shall not die. And Gideon's response is, he builds an altar. And he calls it, the Lord is peace. He was experiencing the peace of the Lord for himself. The Lord was transforming him from a man who was one of fear and weakness into a man of peace and great courage as he led the Israelites to conquer and to defeat the Midianites, as we read in the chapters of seven, chapter 7 and chapter 8. Gideon was willing to step into his calling and the authority that God was giving him. The word peace that the Lord speaks to Gideon in Hebrew is shalom. I love that word. And as I started to actually unpack it and, and read up on what shalom means, I was just so blessed because it actually means so much more than peace. It means to make something whole that has been depleted or destroyed. It's inner completeness, wholeness, fullness. This is Yahweh Shalom. And today in Israel, Shalom is often spoken by Jewish people. And it's, it's, it's given as a greeting and as a farewell, goodbye. And really what they're saying is, may you be full of well-being. Isn't that beautiful? Full of well-being. That only comes through Yahweh Shalom, doesn't it? Then we go on further into scripture where Isaiah the prophet prophesies the coming Messiah, the Prince of Peace, who would come to dwell with us. One of my favorite scriptures, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, 
prince of peace and of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. The prince of inner fullness. He came and walked this earth, bringing life to the dead, bringing healing to the sick, bringing freedom and deliverance to the captives, those in bondage, and bringing peace to the brokenhearted. That's our Jesus. And so as he came, I actually love too the, the first declaration of him was by the angels when he was born who pronounced his birth and say, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, goodwill towards men, peace on earth. Peace was coming to dwell with us on earth because he, he wants to be close. He wants to be close. In preparing his disciples for, the coming, for his coming death and resurrection and return to the Father, and in this, promising his gift of the Holy Spirit. He wasn't going to leave them as orphans. He was going to send his promised Holy Spirit to indwell all of us who receive him as Lord. John chapter 14, verse 27 reads, his words to them were, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled and neither let them be afraid. They didn't realise what was to come. They didn't realise that they were about to witness their beloved Saviour, their Lord of Peace, hanging on a cross, dying the most cruel death possible, and then to be buried. They didn't know that in three days he would rise and he would appear personally to them as their risen Lord of Peace. He goes on in John chapter 16, verse 33, another one of my favourite verses. I have said these things to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Aren't they great words for us to remember? He doesn't say you're not going to have trouble. He actually says you're going to have trouble. But in me you have peace. Because I've overcome the world. And through me, you too can overcome. You can walk in victory, even in the midst of hardship and suffering. You can experience my peace, he says. So I just want to read John chapter 20, verses 11 to 22. Um, I really love this encounter. I want to start with Jesus appearing to Mary Magdalene. A couple of weeks ago, Heather brought a beautiful message on uh, focusing on looking at Mary from Bethany. This is another Mary, Mary of Magdalene, Mary, or Mary Magdalene, Mary of Magdala, another worshipper, lover of Jesus, who it's thought also had an experience of being at the Lord's feet and washing the Lord's feet with her tears in worship and drying her, her Lord's feet with her hair. So we'll read from verse 11. Jesus obviously has died. He's been buried in the tomb. The disciples have been to the tomb and the tomb is empty. 
and we read that the disciples went back to their homes in verse 10, but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, They've taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they have laid him. And having said this, she turned around and she saw Jesus standing, but she didn't know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and she said to him in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. I'm just going to pause here. Mary Magdalene, we don't, we don't read a, a lot of her in Scripture in terms of her what, what her past is, but we are told in Luke chapter 8, verse 2, that Jesus had delivered her out of seven demons. We don't know how long she lived oppressed by these demons, but obviously in encountering Jesus, she had a remarkable, remarkable encounter because she went from being a woman who had been oppressed, possessed by these demons to one who had been set free through the love of a saviour. And she was now experiencing his fullness, his peace, his closeness. And so she, we're told, travelled with other women and, and the disciples with Jesus throughout his, his ministry time. Here in this passage we read that she was distraught. The one who had met her, who had loved on her, who had set her free, was not in the tomb where he was meant to be. You can imagine how distraught she would have been. She'd forgotten what Jesus had actually shared not that long before his death, to not be afraid that he would return. And in her grief, in her tears, she couldn't see that in fact it was Jesus who was standing right there in front of her. But as soon as he utters her name, oh, wow, her eyes are opened and she recognises it's her saviour, it's Jesus. And actually in one of the other Gospels, I think it's, yeah, Matthew 28, it actually talks of another woman, another Mary being with, with Mary. Um, John just speaks of Mary Magdalene in this section. But in Matthew 28, it talks of, of the two Marys, and they both, as soon as he utters, his na- uh, utters her name, fall at his feet in worship, 
in worship and clinging to him. And that's why it goes on to talk about where Jesus says, don't cling to me. I've not yet risen. I've not ascended to my father, but go tell, go tell my disciples. I love the fact that, that she's the first one pretty much that Jesus appears to and gives that message to and sends, gives her the instructions to go with that precious, beautiful, wonderful, glorious news. I've risen. I've risen. We'll go on and we'll read from verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus' very first words after rising from the dead were peace, peace be with you. Shalom, Yahweh Shalom. But he doesn't just leave it there for them to experience his peace. He actually commissions them, doesn't he? He sends them out as carriers, bearers of his peace, his indwelling peace. They were to go and they were to be his peacemakers. Matthew chapter 5 verse 9 reads, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of and daughters of God. That's what he's calling us to. He wants us to experience his peace so that we in turn can go and carry his peace to those who so desperately need it. We're living in times, aren't we, where people are crying out for peace. There's so much turmoil. And sadly, so many are looking in, in the wrong places. It's Jesus. It's Jesus we all need. Through Jesus taking our sin upon himself at the cross, we now get to experience his forgiveness, his grace, his immeasurable love and intimacy with him, the one who is our peace. How are we doing living in his peace? We've been sharing through testimonies this morning, I guess, of some things that can easily rob us of our peace, whether it be financial concerns, health concerns, relationship concerns, um, a whole array of things. We just need to turn on the news and there's enough there to shake us and, you know, instill fear, isn't there? I remember many years ago when our Hannah was 13 weeks of age, little baby, and I remember sitting one night, it was the very early hours after midnight, I was sitting in her room, it was dark, I might have had like a hallway light on, I can't remember, but it was dark and I was sitting in the room, I'd chosen to sit up that night and to watch over her. A couple of days prior, after her waking in the early morning, I'd fed her and as I laid her down to change her nappy, she started all of a sudden to lose colour. Colour drained from her face. And I could see things were not right. 
and her, interestingly, one of her eyelids started to really swell. Had no idea what was going on. I picked her up. Jeremy had just left for work. It was me and it was Sam, <laughs> probably two and a half year old Sam. And in that moment, I held her and I just, and, and I could see she'd lost consciousness. She had also stopped breathing for a very brief period of time. And, and I held her and all I could, I, I could, couldn't really utter many words at all. I think it was just, Lord, Lord. The paramedics arrived and by that time, thankfully, she'd started to resume breathing again. We went off to hospital to, for monitoring. They, they offered to keep us in overnight for monitoring, which I said, yes, please. And so coming home the next night, the next day, I, I chose, I remember saying to Jeremy, I'm just going to sit up. I, I want to sit up. And so I did. And through that night, I sat and I cried because <laughs> it started to really hit me what had taken place. But there was fear. What if? What if she stops breathing and I'm not there? Through the night. I started then to, I just felt, you know, led to, to actually start to sing <laughs> and, and to, to just talk, to talk to my Saviour in that moment. And as I did so, I had this very clear sense, the Lord speaking to me and saying, Kate, it's okay. I'm watching over her. I'm here. You can go to sleep. You can go to bed. And after a couple of hours of sitting up, I actually went to bed. I had to choose what I was going to do in that moment. Was I going to actually listen and, and, and yes, say, okay, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to go to bed. I did. And I slept. I slept. I think of David in the Psalm, Psalm 4 verse 8. I will lie down and sleep in peace for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. I slept deeply that night. And from then on, there was no fear about putting her down to bed. Praise God, Hannah's 24 years old <laughs> and thriving. <laughs> God's promise to us. This is one of my very favourite scriptures that has been very close to my heart through my life. Isaiah 26 verses 3 and 4. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you, or she trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. He does not change. He will never change. He will never fail. He will never forsake us. And when I think of peace, we experience his peace as we position, position ourselves, to be aware of his presence, to be looking on his face, to be allowing him to consume our focus, not me, so I, easily I can do, or others or our circumstance or circumstances, looking at him. That begins to change how I see things then. I elevate him through choosing to praise and worship. I ask him at different times, Lord, can you reveal anything in me, any hindrances or blockages that might be preventing me from experiencing you? And then as he begins to show me different things, I ask him and invite him to cleanse me, 
through repentance. I allow him to change me, to transform, because that's what he's about. He's a God who doesn't like to leave us where we are, leave us where we're at, but actually to bring change, to bring freedom, to bring wholeness, completeness. And then as he does that, as I allow him to consume me, he enlarges so that we can overflow with his peace, with his wholeness and his freedom, his completeness. Towards the, the latter part of last year, I well, mid last year, I'd started working through the Bible again, which I've done in, in, at other times as well. Um, but I really felt led to, to go back to reading scripture from cover to cover. And I, I just felt also the Lord saying to me, just take your time. Sometimes I think we like to read a chapter a day, da 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 da, da get through. But I really felt the Lord saying this time, just take your time. And there were periods where I would just felt him leading me to sit in a chapter or even just five verses for days. And there was a time in the latter part of last year where I was reading Exodus and Exodus 40, verses 34 to 35, which again has been alluded to this morning, talking about when Moses had followed the Lord's instructions to build the tabernacle and had set everything in place like God had said. And on its completion, God then comes with his glory and inhabits the tabernacle, so much so that Moses couldn't even set foot in the tabernacle, which I just loved. Like I just sat in that particular portion for a week, blown away that, that God's glory, that's what he wants to do, not just in the tabernacle, but he wants to do that now here and where his temple has, has again has been declared today. And I just got to a place of, Lord, that's what I want. I want to be filled with your glory. I want all of you. And as I started to, to pray into that, I really sensed the Lord saying, that's great, but I actually want all of you, all of you. And it wasn't about my mind instantly went to, oh, well, I should be doing this or maybe I should be doing this. I should be doing more, blah, 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 blah. And in fact, it was more about beginning to reveal something within me that I've been holding on to, some deep-seated pain that actually part of which went back 25 years ago. And he just started putting his loving hand, loving hand, <laughs> on that area in my heart. And it took time. It took time and he used some people very dear to me, to be asking some questions, one of which was asked a good probably 18 months ago. And my response was, no, I think I'm okay. I think I'm all good there. And then in more recent, probably three months ago, again, just simple but powerful question that led me to breaking down <laughs> and recognising that, yes, there was some pain there some stuff from the past that I had not properly released, maybe not properly worked through with the Lord, that I'd allowed the enemy to come in on and start to, you know, do what he does, where he kind of distorts things and he twists things and he sows lies. <laughs> and 
messes us up in our heads so that we don't really see ourselves the way that God sees us, I guess. We forget we're actually his son and his daughter, beloved, much loved by him. And so it led me to, to just spending some time with him, with my Lord, my Saviour, my Redeemer, my Deliverer, <laughs> and, and working through forgiveness, repentance, and then receiving, receiving him, letting him then fill me with all that he wanted to fill me with in himself. And as part of this, leading me to go to some ones and actually share and, and allow them to then pray with me into this particular area. And I can stand here today and, and say that he is my Lord. He is my Redeemer. He is my God and my Prince uh, of peace, of inner fullness, completeness, wholeness. And that's what he wants for all of us. That's what he wants for all of us. He doesn't want us hindered and he doesn't want us trapped and, and in bondage. He wants us set free. Our Prince of Peace today is inviting us into a place of wholeness, of flourishing and of delight as we yield to him, not just for ourselves, not just for ourselves, but for the blessing of others. He wants us to pass that on. So how will we respond today? Jesus is inviting us today. There's a vivid picture of that with the hand. He's reaching out to us. He's inviting us to come, to open ourselves to him and to let him do what he wants to do, partnering with him in what he wants to do. He's such a loving father. Where is my focus? Who am I focusing on? What am I focusing on? And what might be hindering me in living and overflowing with him, my Prince of Peace, our Prince of Peace? So I just want to take just a few moments for us to all pause, to just be still, to just come and to focus on the one who is Yahweh Shalom, who is the Prince of Peace. And just invite him, invite him to maybe show us something of himself. Or ask him, what is it, Lord? What is it that you want to say to me? Is there something that is actually hindering me from experiencing your inner fullness and wholeness? In every way, every part of our lives. So let's just take a, just a few moments and then I'm going to close in prayer. Maybe there's some here who, who maybe don't really know Jesus personally as their saviour. I never want to assume that that is the case. And maybe you're not able to necessarily hear what God want, might be wanting to speak. I just want to encourage you this morning that we would love to introduce Jesus to you and pray with you. And so any one of us who you've seen, um, yeah, come up to us and, and we'd love to pray with you. Maybe there's some of you here who, like me, have 
been holding on to some pain that has been crippling you, holding you captive, I really want to encourage you this morning to actually share that with somebody, to invite someone into that with you, not just Jesus, Prince of Peace, but others, brothers and sisters. Maybe that's your growth group leaders or your activate group leaders, or if you're not in an activate group, then I'd love to pray with you once we finish. But don't go from here staying the same because we have a God who doesn't want to keep us where we are at. He's a God of transformation. He's a God of grace and love and of wholeness. So let's just pray. Oh God, how we praise you. For you truly are Yahweh Shalom, our Prince of Peace, our Lord who is peace. And we just thank you, Lord, that you so long to dwell in all your fullness in us, your temple. Lord, may we go from here wanting to, for you to have all of us, Lord, all that is us. Father, may we be willing to let you unlock those areas in our lives that maybe we've shut up because it's a bit painful or it's a bit hard and let you unlock and let you come in with your glory, with your healing, with your freedom. May Yahweh bless you and protect you. May Yahweh make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May Yahweh look with favour on you and give you peace.